Welcome to Theory of Indivisibility, solutions-focused evolutionary analysis of our social, economic, and political systems delivered to you in short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Sunjata. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Theory of Indivisibility. I'm so happy that you've chosen to join me once again. And I hope that you all are enjoying the holiday season. You should be listening to this if you're listening to it uh, when it's first released in between Christmas and Thanksgiving and or the New Year's right around that time when I'm releasing it. So happy holidays to you all. In the previous episode, Ownership Part 2, we discussed some of the current complexities of the concept of ownership in human societies. During today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the ways that people are rethinking, challenging, and rejecting the ownership scripts that we've inherited that are rooted in power over and control and cause environmental and human suffering. We'll explore how they are choosing to live in ways that are liberating and sustainable for all people and the environment. During season one of Theory of Indivisibility, we are exploring the evolutionary origins, current complexities, and how my theory of indivisibility applies to the following social systems. Power over, patriarchy, religion, ownership, capitalism, democracy, racism, and education. Season one evolves like a book. So for clarity's sake, I suggest starting from episode one if this is your first time listening. Thank you to my newest patron, Rachel, and thank you to Lena for increasing your contribution. I am so grateful for you both, and I am super grateful for everyone that has chosen to contribute to this work thus far. I look at this as, well, I'll just say initially it was going to be a book. Uh, I was going to say I look at it as a book, but initially this was going to be a book, and those of you who, who invest uh, by contributing through Patreon, you are all like my, my investors for this theory and getting this information out into the world. And I am so grateful that you are uh, investing in me, self-publishing in this way. And your, your every investment, every word, every email, every share of the podcast and every patron donation, it really um, continues to give me the energy and, and the motivation and the encouragement uh, that I need to carve out the time to produce and put this uh, put this podcast out for you all. So thank you so much. If you get value from listening to this podcast and you'd like to support it becoming more sustainable, please visit patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. I'm happy to announce that thanks to one of our listeners, I will be facilitating two different authentic dialogue trainings with the staff and the families of the Charlotte Preparatory School in March of 2020. For the staff, I will facilitate a training called Create Healthy Personal Relationships and Thriving Organizational Culture with Authentic Dialogue. And for the families and extended community, I will facilitate a dialogue versus debate simulation. This simulation um, is something I've been able to do in several uh, group for several groups and or schools uh, with their communities, people who have chosen to um, elevate their awareness around the ways they communicate with one another and look to do so in ways that are more equitable um, and dialogue 
with dialogue being the the chosen tool that they've you know chosen to incorporate in in terms of elevating their knowledge and understanding and their ability to use it. And I'm glad that through my you know my work, uh, I've been able to you know help several organizations and groups grow in that way. If you'd like to learn more about authentic dialogue and the facilitation services that I provide, please visit growdialogue.com. Transition music that you are hearing was created by Green Tea Panda, which is the DJ name of my seven-year-old son, Scotty Jet Speed. <laughs> Begin quote. I truly believe that we as humans have the capacity to live in harmony with nature and one another. I truly believe that we have the capacity to live indivisibly. It is my belief that the true leverage point for living indivisibly is in the recognition that our current social, political, and economic systems are intrinsically designed to produce the perpetual dysfunction that we continue to experience because they are rooted in power over ideals, beliefs, and norms. It is also in a recognition that there is no one to blame. Power over systems were designed and integrated into society approximately 10,000 years ago based on the communication, problem-solving, and governance tools that had evolved up to that point in time. Just like they had no way to drive cars back then because the skill and know-how had not yet evolved, they also had no better way to manage population growth and the perceived scarcity of resources because the skill and know-how had not evolved yet. That is no longer the case. We currently live during an era where many people possess the necessary skills to live indivisibly, and there is an abundance of resources available to help more people obtain them. However, by no fault of their own, most people are still mentally trapped within the indoctrination of power over systems paradigms. In the book, The Fifth Discipline, Peter Singe states that, structures of which we are unaware hold us prisoner. Once we can see them and name them, they no longer have the same hold on us. I created this podcast to help more people learn to see and name the inherent oppressions within social systems rooted in power over and control and the ways that we all perpetuate them. I believe that as more people learn this, they will begin to intentionally make changes in their lives in an effort to organize and live in ways that inherently produce equity, sustainability, liberation, and unconditional love for themselves the environment, and other human beings. End quote. That was my theory of indivisibility. And during this episode, we're going to discuss how it applies to ownership by sharing some of the ways that many people have chosen to create new systems that abandon ownership in the ways that most of us have grown up understanding it across various contexts. So let's start by discussing the concept of owning land, how we can evolve towards a more just relationship with it, and how indigenous people have always been on the front lines of advocating for this. The following insights are from an article titled, The Western Idea of Ownership is Flawed, Indigenous People Have It Right, by Julian Brave Noisecat. Begin quote. 
We live in a world dominated by the principle of private property. Once indigenous people were dispossessed of their lands, the land was surveyed, subdivided, and sold to the highest bidder. Our capitalist property regime and economic system have succeeded at producing remarkable surplus. But the benefits of this system too often flow to a small fraction of the population, while land, water, and people pay the long-term price. While property has transformed the world, its flaws have never been more apparent. Home ownership no longer provides the economic security it once did and appears out of reach for younger generations. The richest 1% holds more wealth than the rest of the world combined. At the same time, environmental degradation and climate change proceed at a terrifying pace. Prior generations responded to similar crises by turning to communism. Another, more cutting-edge possibility is to heed the diverse indigenous voices displaced and drowned out by imperialism. This approach entails returning lands and resources to indigenous control and rethinking our relationship to the environment by recognizing and protecting indigenous values and the rights of nature through the law. For indigenous people, land and water are regarded as sacred, living relatives, ancestors, places of origin, or any combination of the above. One promising precedent on this path to a post-imperial future has emerged in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where the Wanganui Maori Iwi just won a 140-year legal battle to recognize that their ancestral Wanganui River has legal rights equal to a human being. Less than a week after the legislation went into effect, India's Uttarakhand High Court cited the Wanganui decision when it ruled that the Ganges and Yamuna rivers have the legal status of a person. While the implications and effects of these legal experiments are yet to be seen, these are potentially revolutionary precedents that offer a path forward to redefine relationships between governments, indigenous peoples, and the land in the 21st century. At their core, these decisions recognize what indigenous people have believed all along, that land and water are sacred, living relatives and ancestors whose well-being humanity depends on for our continued health and existence upon this earth. End quote. So, what are alternatives to the idea of owning private and public property? One concept is the idea of shifting from ownership of land to stewardship of land. The Land Stewardship Center defines stewardship as follows. In its broadest sense, stewardship is the recognition of our collective responsibility to retain the quality and abundance of our land, air, water, and biodiversity, and to manage this natural capital in a way that conserves all of its values, be they environmental, economic, social, or cultural. They go on to state that they understand that stewardship is a journey, and the commitment that comes with being good stewards takes time and effort. Their center and website provide, provides resources to help people on that journey. I like the list that they listed on their website that's titled Being or Becoming a Good Steward Means. And they provide four bullet points that I'm going to share, but also hyperlinks that go a little bit deeper. If this resonates with you in any way, I highly recommend viewing 
uh, visiting their website. And there's a link in the show notes. So being or becoming a good steward means understanding the value of ecological goods and services, recognizing important stewardship priorities, applying key stewardship principles in all our land and resource use decisions, and learning from those who provide good stewardship examples. Another example of people being intentional about being good stewards of the land is intentional communities. Intentional community is an inclusive term for eco-villages, co-housing, residential land trusts, communes, student co-ops, urban housing cooperatives, and other related projects. An example of an intentional community is the Amada community right here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live. Founded in 1988, their mission is to provide an educational model for holistic living in an urban environment. It's an eco-village organized around ecology, sustainability, and co-housing, which provides individual homes within a group property. Again, I provide a link to that community as well as to the intentional communities um, as a website that has a listing of all the intentional communities around the world, at least all that register with the with that organization. And it's all in the show notes. I want to take a moment to share with you how I take this theory of indivisibility work into the world. At the heart of my theory is the belief that we have the capacity to learn new skills. If we want to live indivisibly, we have to learn how to communicate, resolve conflict, and govern our individual relationships, families, communities, and organizations in ways that reject power and privilege and embrace equity and collaboration. For the past five years now, I've been facilitating trainings on a skill designed to do just that, called Authentic Dialogue. Authentic Dialogue is about shared inquiry, a way of thinking and reflecting. It's an exchange where people think together and discover something new. It is the seeking of greater truth, a shared truth that results from a deeper understanding of one another. I have facilitated both individual sessions for two people and group sessions for organizations and companies. I also created an online training titled Create Healthy Personal Relationships and Thriving Organizational Culture with Authentic Dialogue, a three-step process for collaborative conflict resolution that you can access for free at my website under courses. Visit igotogrow.com. That's I-G-O-T-O-G-R-O-W.com and click book me to view a list of facilitation topics and please reach out to me if I can be of service to your family or organization. In episode 13, Ownership Part 2, we discussed some additional elements from the cluster map I created to observe the current complexities of ownership and how they are interconnected and interdependent of one another. These include patriarchy, marriage, and gentrification. So let's take a look at them again and discuss some of the ways that people are creating new systems and new paradigms. So first, let's take a look at patriarchy. Now, if you've been following along all season long, you know that I've included patriarchy in every cluster map because it's all interconnected. And the reason why I included it in the ownership cluster map, um, one of the main reasons is because only recently in the 20th century, that women gain the right to own land. And 
as you all know, if you've been following along, I cover uh, the women's, all the various women's rights movements that occurred during the 1900s that um, gave women more freedoms and more autonomy um, and all the different ways that women have been pushing back and continue to push back against patriarchy. So obviously we live during a time where women can buy, own, transfer, whatever, land and property that they choose. But that wasn't always the case. Uh, another one, the, well, the next one is marriage, uh, because marriage was a form of legal ownership. Before 1870, any money made by a woman, either through a wage, from investment, by gift, or through inheritance, automatically became the property of her husband once she was married. Uh, also, the concepts of the husband as the head of household uh, was not only a religious concept, it was also it was law. So... That's also a great example, you know, in terms of how religion and these social constructs and laws all, you know, uh, supported one another, which is something that, you know, I discussed in detail during the religious, the religion episodes. But as um, during today's times, there are many couples, uh, even beyond just the standard husband and wife concept, um, you know, and one day I'm sure I'll, I'll do a show on gender that will get deeper into that and what I'm acknowledging by saying that. But most uh, married couple, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't say most, but many married couples um, today live more um, as partners. And I know of several who call their, their spouse or their partner or their, their significant other, their partner, as opposed to husband and wife, because they don't like the, uh, the history that's embedded in those terms in terms of, again, the thing about husbands owning their wives and wives need to be submissive to their husbands. And, you know, the husband is the head of the household, et cetera. There are many people who now push back against, you know, those norms. Um, so that's just another way that people are rejecting, um, you know, that oppressive history and is very, very common. So the next one I want to discuss is gentrification. Gentrification, of course, we went into detail about what that was during the last episode. And one of the ways that people are fighting back against gentrification is through community land trusts. So my understanding of community land trusts is basically that um, a nonprofit organization or group will, or a group of people will form a nonprofit and they will go to a city and, um, or any, any jurisdiction and you know, ask the city to, to give them rights to a certain amount of land. And then basically they will put that land into trust and that trust will be managed by the, the, the corporation. And basically by doing that, they are protecting it from speculation. They are taking it out of the speculative market uh, so that the price so they can keep the prices of the property, the land, the homes affordable for low income and middle working class people. And this is a strategy that's being incorporated all throughout the country. Uh, more and more to fight back against, you know, gentrification and and uh, the rising prices of homes, where it's continuing to displace so many people that have lived uh, in urban centers for for generations. So, to give you a more specific definition, I'm going to share an excerpt from community-wealth.org. It says that community land trusts are nonprofit community-based organizations designed to ensure community stewardship of land. Community land trusts are primarily used to ensure long-term housing affordability. To do so, the trust acquires land and maintains ownership of it permanently. 
With prospective homeowners, it enters into a long-term renewable lease instead of a traditional sale. When the homeowner sells, when the homeowner sells, the family earns only a portion of the increased property value. The remainder is kept by the trust, preserving the affordability for future low to moderate income families. The length of the lease most frequently is 99 years, and the percentage earned by the homeowner varies. Ultimately, by separating the ownership of land and housing, this innovative approach prevents market factors from causing prices to rise significantly and hence guarantees that housing will remain affordable for future generations. Today, there are over 225 community land trusts across the United States. We live during a really unique era. We all know the saying that hindsight is 2020. Well, we live in an era where both hindsight and foresight are clearer than ever before. Technology and science have evolved to a point where we can look back at history and prehistory with extreme clarity, and we also have enough data combined with the tech and science that allows us to look into the future and predict future patterns based on the patterns of the past. With that said, we now know that the social construct of ownership that evolved into human societies over the past 10 to 12,000 years after the agricultural revolution is not sustainable. While it has provided abundance for many people, it has hurt even more people by increasing individualism and further distancing the majority of us from our indigenous roots and values of collectivism, stewardship, and egalitarianism. Ownership has also contributed greatly to the overconsumption of our natural resources, which has led to global warming and climate change. Long before people started to combat these damages in the ways that I shared during this show, Ownership laid the foundation for the next system to evolve that we will analyze and synthesize, which is capitalism. Next time on Theory of Indivisibility. Theory of Indivisibility is written and produced by me. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and share it with friends on social media. It really helps a lot. It takes 20 to 30 hours of research, writing, producing, and editing to complete each show. So if you like what you hear, you can show your support in helping to make this show more sustainable by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash live indivisible. That is also where you'll find show notes and resources for each episode. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I love y'all. Peace. Visionary mind frame got me open in the ears. I pause for a second, listen to the words that I spit. So can you feel it? Lose focus and you start to see the vibration. Hitting every nation, check your foundation. A matter of energy. Got me circling for the world around me. Stand strong, holding the position I belong. Finish clearing the past and then you move on. To a new way to go, you're engaging the flow, the critical mass. Got a brother running so fast, but will I slow down? The wheels on the bus go round and round. Sitting thinking how I'm living, what the longer now I'm coming. To a point where I'm bridging the gap, I reckon. Living with the interpersonal ethic emerging to another level with my culture. Open your mind. Vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. Theme song New Vision 
is performed by Achilles the Cosmonaut. Find more from Achilles the Cosmonaut on your favorite music streaming app. <laughs>